Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Monday edition after another glorious football weekend. Good to be back. It's been hour number one discussing college football. We'll turn our attention to the NFL with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. PK out today. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And uh, we just, outside our studio, heard a big car accident. Yeah. There you go. It's a very busy Monday here in downtown Nashville. Hope everything's well across uh, the, the Outkick Network. If you're listening to this great radio partner or if you're streaming us live at Outkick.com or through YouTube, or any social media platform, just search out Outkick 360. Someone's Monday just got a lot worse right outside the studio. Yeah, uh, with little uh, didn't quite see the stop yep. sign out in front. We heard a bang, <laughs> and then there's been uh, apparently an altercation oh, between the driver and that. someone else outside. So there's is it yeah. the guy with the staff <laughs> that used to walk around with his yeah, there was staff? Yes, I, I, we may have talked about this before. This magic but wand. We had a guy who walked around the, stu- the outside the studio with a magic wand staff, and he would offer to sell. Didn't he offer Jacob Swanson? Yes. Jakob Swanson to sell him his staff at one point. Yes. And I think Jacob just and said, "Yeah, like I'm good. Twenty five or thirty bucks for it. I'm good." But then I said, "Why didn't you take him up on that deal? It was supposed to be like magical powers." Yeah, the know? story would have been much better <laughs> if he bought the staff from him. Uh, again, hit us up on social media if you'd like to, to interact with us. Chad is in the chat as well on YouTube. Well, apparently that car wreck just shut down the internet access oh, here for a little bit too. So it was a big-time car wreck because I, I can't get anywhere right now. Um, NFL headlines, big takeaways. We'll go game by game coming up in about 15 minutes. But uh, three remaining unbeaten teams. Um, the Giants are playing tonight against Dallas. And Chad, the Miami Dolphins are the only unbeaten team remaining in the AFC. They take down Buffalo. They do so with, uh, you know, they, they don't get through the game without controversy based on the Tua Tagovailoa injury um, where it's reported that he's being evaluated for a, a, a back head injury. No, no, no. Uh, originally, it was they were taking him in for a head injury, and then post-game, they said back issue, which is laughable considering the replay that you see. Uh, and how the NFL is trying to protect its players from themselves in many cases. And I do give them leeway here that I didn't, haven't heard very much over the last 20 hours with this, is there is an independent neurologist that you have to clear concussion protocol with. This, this is not a Dolphins physician or doctor that's clearing him for concussion protocol. They, in many cases, will flag a player... From the, from the press box, they have an independent observer there that will call down and say, hey, we're replaying this on a hit far side of the field. We need 38 off the field so we can evaluate him independently, and they'll, they'll pull him off the field. That's happened a lot. In this case, Chad, based on what we saw in the replay with him staggering, trying to run back to the huddle, falling down, 
offensive line helping him back up. This looked like your typical run-of-the-mill concussion where he hits his head on on the turf on what was a roughing-the-passer penalty. And post-game, they're referencing, in-game, they're referencing, when he comes back out for the second half, they're referencing through Ian Rappaport, who's reporting, well, he had a he was dinged in the first quarter, didn't leave the game with a back issue, and this was his back tightening up. And I'm thinking, that it just looks awful, even if true. And optically, it looked like the guy didn't know where he was and couldn't walk straight. Now, I've, you know, I need to open by saying this. For those that may be confused, I am not a doctor, uh, so I, sure. I, I don't know exactly. Even though there are people here that believe you are one. Yes. Based on a yeah. sign in town. An Dr. Winthrow. An orthodontist, I believe, is who they think. Winthrow. It's either there's a Witherow also. There, oh. there's, this, uh, there's this desire oh, to put an E Withero. in my name from everyone. In fact... Uh, the title on my wife's car now has an E in it because someone just decided, <laughs> oh, this is going to be Withrow. And I, I want to reiterate this. Everyone's like, well, I don't know any Withrows. And I say, do you know a lot of Withrows? Because that's not is. one that's really common either. I don't know why the need to put an E after that. It's Withrow, W-I-T-H-R-O-W. And I am not a D-O-C-T-O-R. But I do have E-Y-E-S, and I have T-W-O of them. And I can see when someone seems to be experiencing the after effects of oh. some sort of head injury. <clears throat> That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. I, I mean, look, could it conceivably have been a back issue that caused him to wobble and be unstable when he's walking? Maybe. Uh, it looked like a guy who hit his head on the ground and got up and was concussed and tried to walk and didn't do a very good job of it. Yeah. Um, but... You bring up a good point about this is an independent neurologist. This is not some team crony that's trying to get the starting quarterback back into the game. And they're not. Let it's me, a league employee. And let me interject. They don't travel with teams. Like So if you have your medical staff, if you have trainers, they're on the team flight with you. Like if the Titans are traveling to Indianapolis next week, those guys are flying with you. The independent neurologists are no different than the refs. You know they're they're arriving separately. Yeah, and so it's it's not like they're in on it or they're they're trying to allow Tua back in the game. So to well, your they're, point, they're investigating. The NFLPA is, and the NFL is saying we followed every protocol. Right. So and he didn't miss time, and then came back out for the second. I, half. I just don't know how, if in fact he has some concussion, and they're going to find that out now. I mean, I don't know how a guy that's the independent neurologist could miss it to that extent. No, with nothing no. to gain from it. Yeah, and, and so again, I have to believe that they followed protocol. You have to have to trust that, and there's no way that they wouldn't have have flagged him for for that observation. But also keep in mind, like if he's in concussion protocol today, highly unlikely he's available Thursday when they take on the Bengals. So, you know, there's also that aspect of it where you know Twitter's going insane around what. 1 o'clock, one fifteen yesterday, where he takes this hit, and it's uh, they're already proclaiming him out. You know, he's, he's out of the game. They're looking at him, and here comes Teddy Bridgewater. Here's what he did last year with the Broncos. And before we even see him in the second half, it's, oh, two is back in the huddle. He's back in the game. And everyone was going crazy over it, retweeting the, the video of him falling. It looks awful. And you have to trust that the protocols in place worked in this case. I'll take them at their word for yeah. right now, but it looked like he had a concussion. Um, it looks like Miami is 
a true Super Bowl contender. It's amazing to me, though, that after tonight, we may have two undefeated teams through three weeks. Two or three and oh. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. That only two will be left standing without a loss through three weeks of the season. Um, big takeaways from the, from the Miami game. Tua makes some big throws in that. The Bills had, I mean, when you think about if going into the game and how crazy the league is, and Chad's going to get to this, I believe, with the Chiefs in a moment. If you told me that the Bills were going to possess the football for over 40 minutes of the game, there's no way they lose that game, number one. And there's no way that they score uh, less than three total touchdowns in this game. But they did. Sloppy play, um, the heat, humidity, that all played a factor in what Buffalo was able or not able to do. I mean, they looked whipped after the game. And on top of it, Miami did just enough, and their defense is totally capable in the secondary, which I did not give them enough credit for. Xavier Howard did a phenomenal job when matched up against Stephon Diggs yesterday. And they did a really nice job in the pass rush against Josh Allen as well. High props to what Mike McDaniel and company have done through three games at 3-0 and and knocking off the Bills, going on the road, pulling the comeback a week ago, 21 points down in the fourth quarter to the Baltimore Ravens, win that game. And then a week one, knocking off the, the, the Patriots, who flew down a week early, not nearly, a week early, four or five days early, to acclimate themselves. And still, Miami's got... They're 2-0 and in their division and remain unbeaten in the AFC. High marks there, even though you, know, you look at what Buffalo's done. Buffalo, when they're in tight games, they're not winning tight, close games. They're winning by a, a large margin. If they're in close, pro, close proximity on the scoreboard, chances are you're beating the Bills. So that's really the, the one red flag you can point to from last year and now in this game where they're not stepping up and making the crucial play to win. Even after 475 yards of of total offense in this game, uh, bad loss for Buffalo. Uh, Miami's the story of the league, I think, so far with this 3-0 start. The most pleasant surprise in the league, and I think Philly's the best team in football when you look through three games right now, the the way they've played. Uh, Miami's defense, you mentioned it, Hutton, but that's what really jumped out to me yesterday in this game. Really opportunistic, even though they gave up a ton of yards to hold Buffalo to that that point total is enormous. But what a big win well, for Miami! And, and it does amaze me. I, I get that it's humid, you know, in my but it's it's like the Buffalo Bills were completely incapable of getting ready for that at the environment. Well, their their offense was drained. This is this is how improbable the numbers were. The Bills ran 90 offensive plays yesterday. The Dolphins ran 39, and they won 21-19. The Bills, the highest time of possession in a non-overtime game in the NFL since 2014. They held the ball for 40 minutes and 40 seconds, and they lost 21-19. They're 0-7 in one-score games since the start of last season. And... You know, back and forth game, and it was what fourteen all. We had the replacement safeties for uh, uh, Waddle was streaking deep um, against the the backup safeties. The Bills were down six starters, I believe, and they had backups in the secondary. Tua took that hit, but then came back out in the second half 
and and did just enough. It was it's a it's one of those defining victories that I think we look back on as a, a tiebreaker scenario because I think these two teams split. I also think for as much as we're going to discuss the Miami defense in this game, and they did well, don't forget what happened in last year's postseason where the Bills, the Chiefs, uh, the Patriots, known for their defense throughout the regular season, you throw all of that out whenever it came time for the top quarterbacks to show why they are in the elite class of the league today. And that's what Josh Allen and Mahomes did in their opening wins and then onward throughout the postseason. And what we saw from the, uh, from the Rams as well uh, in the shootout against Tampa Bay. Some of the top defenses give up a ton of points in January. And that's been kind of the norm here. you got to win in different ways. Right now, Miami's doing that. And Buffalo's not. Buffalo's either whipping you 42 to 22. You know, they're winning by 20. Or they're losing a one-score game, one-possession game late. I still think Buffalo offensively, they present the most problems to, than anyone else in the league with different ways they can beat you. Um, but that was, that was surprising to me yesterday. And Miami has been a surprise the other way. I know we're going to talk about Philly also. It's been a, a huge surprise to me. But, I mean, just a big win for Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, Philly's defense set Carson went six times in the first half, nine times total. And... Uh, they just they threw him around like a rag doll. Uh, the, the offensive coordinator Scott Turner, for whatever reason in this game, was dialing up long developing routes for his quarterback Carson Wentz, who entered the who entered the game through the the first start of the first two weeks of the season, uh, throwing it around the yard against their opponents. Not in this case. Not not against the the Philly pass rush. Who I mean they they served up sacks to. It was like one, if you look at their stat lines, like one and a half sacks for like five guys on their defense. Um, domination. Devontae Smith, 150 yards receiving and a touchdown by halftime. A.J. Brown had, what, 75 yards receiving and a touchdown. They're spreading around. They're very balanced offensively with their attack. Uh, Jalen Hurts plays confident. Um, he's very comfortable within the offensive play sets. And he... He spreads the ball around, but they don't just say, oh, we're going to throw to whoever's open. They target their top guys, and then they let their supplemental players play key roles. You can do that when you're completely healthy, and that's what they are. Their O-line's very good as well. But right now, top to bottom, um, you can argue Philly needs to shore up some run defense because that's where they've drafted. They've got the high draft picks. And the Kobe Dean's playing linebacker. They're stout up front. Uh, with with youth, they're they're trying to shore up their run defense. Other than that, Chad, I mean they they whipped the Commanders yesterday, twenty four to eight. I saw John McClain tweet this, and it's a great point. You know, we went into the season really focused on these quarterbacks that are in a prove it year that don't have many excuses left mm. now. Tua being one of them, as they acquired Tyreek Hill and Jalen Hurts was the other. They've both delivered well, in the early going. And Daniel Jones. I mean, we we had a topic yeah. about this. There there are many of them. Um, and those three in particular, um, Daniel, Daniel Jones in the worst shape roster-wise and offensive line-wise, but there are no excuses for what they've done for Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts, and well, both are producing. I bring up the first two and not Daniel Jones for this reason, and John McClain pointed that out. Uh, both those organizations, the Eagles and the Dolphins, tried to trade for Deshaun Watson and going into this season. And they did not want these quarterbacks quarterbacking them and would rather have Deshaun Watson. 
that motivation seems to have worked out well for both these teams now with these guys coming back. It's motivation also mixed with an improved roster. Well, the Giants tried to trade for Russell Wilson. Yeah. They they were also trying to get in the mix uh, for that. And we'll see what happens tonight against Dallas. But a a team they have not had much success. I believe Dallas has won nine of the last ten in in this setting. Uh, The Eagles scored 24 points all in the second quarter yesterday. Through the season, the vast majority of their offense is in the second quarter. 65 of their 84 total points, second quarter scores for Philadelphia. And then defensively, just dominant. I, and I, you know, we're watching, we're watching A.J. Brown maybe a bit closer than the average football fan, unless you're, you know, you've got him in fantasy or playing against him because of what he did here in Tennessee and what he's done for the Titans over the last three years. But I think there's, there was some hesitancy, Chad, back during the draft that, oh, here's a guy who's, you know, he's, do, he's doing a lot of talking, needs to stay off social media, and that's all fair. Um, but he's doing all this talking so he can get paid, and then he's going to really go quiet. Not just maybe he gets louder on social media, but quiets down on the stat sheet. It has been the opposite. That dude got paid and has been even better. And I've been on the soapbox for him since his rookie season. I think the guy's excellent. And this year, he's taken another step up the staircase. I wouldn't have said that. I would have said he's going to bring exactly what he did in Nashville, right? Yeah. And, and not he's, go even higher. Oh, he's there. doing more. I mean, it's consistent play week after week, and it's three weeks in. But it's rare that you trade for a guy, and then that guy comes in and immediately turns an offense into dual threat. And that's what he's done for Jalen Hurts because now it's just not locked on Devonte Smith. Devonte Smith's capable of taking a game over. But now with A.J. Brown on the opposite side or same side, it's pick your poison because they can also run for 250 yards on you. Well, and just how quick that that flip happened, especially in that division. Dak Prescott gets hurt in the first week, yeah, and it goes from, okay, the Cowboys, the team to beat, to you see that week one performance by Philly, and oh, now look at this arsenal they have offensively with A.J. Brown playing at an even better level than he did with the Titans. And now three weeks in, I feel like that division seems like it's already won by the Eagles when I see everyone around them. And don't forget about the Giants. we got the Monday Night Football game tonight against the Cowboys, but I'm still not buying the Giants no, or Daniel yeah. Jones. Yeah, I'm buying that Philly offensive system with Jalen Hurts, with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith, way more than Dallas Goddard. They've got weapons on that offense. They've built it back the right way. I love what Philly's doing right now. At one point in this game... Uh, going into halftime, you had Jalen Hurts with three touchdown passes. Carson Wentz had three completions in the game. Rough. There was Carson Wentz. He was who we thought he was, Chad. Yeah, Carson Wentz. You know, that's uh, everyone's favorite, I feel like, across the league. Really a, really a darling across the league is Carson um, Wentz. Prescott, by the way, I'm reading here, getting his stitches removed in his thumb today right before the, the Giants game. Well, you knew when he didn't go uh, to IR that there was a chance he could possibly be back quicker than we thought. Well, unless he's come back next week, he'd still be on pace for four weeks, which is when they could recall him if they put him there. Um, I, think there was a, I think they thought that he was playing tonight. There was some hope of that. Uh, but Cooper Rush actually played well. He's 2-0 as the starter for Dallas. Played well a week ago, and 
you got Jerry talking about, oh, I, I'd walk to New York if I had the chance to have a quarterback controversy. I'm like, come on, man, you. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be something? I think is what he said. Also, if there, yeah. we actually had a decision to make, wouldn't that be something? We know where he's headed. That's more of if he actually continues to win and looks great. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we actually had a decision to make when Dak comes back, but we all know that Dak's going to be the quarterback when he's healthy. Mike Evans will be back for the Bucks this week as they get set to host Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. The Bucks coming off a loss, the Chiefs coming off a loss, uh, and they could have used him yesterday, Evans, against the Green Bay Packers. We'll recap that. We'll recap the Colts' win over Kansas City. And we'll look around the NFL for the big storylines for week three. That is all straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on. Carson Wentz sacked nine times. Matt Ryan was on pace for that early yesterday against Kansas City. He was stripped and fumbled twice. That is the... He's done that seven times now through three games. But Indianapolis overcame that. They only lost one of those two strip sacks. And Kansas City was up 17-13 with about five minutes left. And one of those sacks was Chris Jones, who came through, got Ryan on the ground, should be Kansas City football after that play. And I don't know what he said to Matt Ryan, but there was an unsportsmanlike penalty against Kansas City, automatic first down, where Jones said something to Matt Ryan with the white hat right there, automatic first down after a defense gets off the field and makes the play with a four-point lead. Around five minutes to go. Indy then continues their drive. And with around a minute to go, roughly, they score the go-ahead touchdown. And they end up winning 20-17 to 17 over Kansas City. Is it crazy of me to think that there's not many words he could have said that would have warranted a 15-yard penalty in that situation? I mean, if yeah. you get up and hit the quarterback or shove him away or do something physical... After the play, with all the efforts to protect players, especially quarterbacks, I would understand that. I don't know what words he could have said to Matt Ryan. Again, going back to the sticks and stones type scenario here. Yeah, and he won't. What words could you say that would warrant a 15 yard penalty in that moment of the game? Well, Sean Smith was the official, and he said it was abusive language towards an opponent, which, I mean, uh, can be interpreted however you want. I'm sure they have examples of that, right? And on the sideline... Well, is there I, a key word that they're looking for that they heard, that that's what they're going to well, use? Cer- yeah, there are certain words, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's slang as well that they're trying to cut out. But, uh, again, like uh, Chris Jones didn't reveal what he said to, to Ryan that elicited that penalty. But it doesn't sound like he put up much of a fight either. He said, I don't think I said anything horrendous. But the official called it, 
and I can't take it back. I've got to do a better job of playing the game and not saying anything, obviously. That's what he told the Kansas City Star. And it, it, I'm with you, Chad. It's got to be something way over the line. Because if you just walk around an NFL sideline, you're going to hear all kinds of stuff. Um, especially even at the officials, you're going to hear that from coaches and players. Officials back at players, too. You'll hear that. Not from the lead official, not from the white hat guys, but you'll hear guys gripe and complain, and those guys will dish it right back from the side judges. Um, and you'll kind of do a double A. If you're down there for the first time, you're like, what the? Was that the was that the ref that just said that? I mean, so it, it had to be something egregious. But even Chris Jones is saying, I didn't think it was that bad. And it's also it was also interesting because it's Matt Ryan. Yeah. You know? It's not one of it's not Joe Burrow for like Joe Burrow to me would elicit some trash talk, right? Some yeah. other, some other, yeah, for sure. You know, with, guys with the swag. With the, yeah, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. You yes. know, there's, yeah. there's Brady. guys who will get some Brady. of that. But Matt I, Ryan's not the top of my list for a guy you yeah, would go I, after with abusive language. Exactly. I don't, I don't put Matt Ryan. I don't even name him. Baker like, Mayfield. It's like Ryan Tannehill. I don't think of that type of swag. Um, yeah, and, we, and trash talk, right? If we're listing guys around the league. We could have the list of guys that you think would uh, uh, elicit that type of response of abusive language. Brady, Baker Mayfield, you know, you, you yes. threw out some other ones there. Matt Ryan's not close to the list. And Matt Ryan, this is, to, to me, pretty typical Matt Ryan. He's not saying either. He was asked and just completely declined to specify what was said from Chris Jones to him. And it, it, cost the, it cost the Chiefs the win because, again, they're getting the football back offensively. They're up by four. Colts run down the clock and end up getting and, – and they made some big plays throughout that. That wasn't the only thing, but that's off the field. You're giving the offense I, I your just, football back to kneel it out. I'm really torn about this only because I've heard what is said during football games or you know any high-level sporting event between opponents and – Again, it's such a big moment. I just yeah. that had to be just an egregious word used. Well, they, I know by Chris Jones <laughs> to to get that to where no one and and good on Chris Jones for just owning it and saying, you know, I I put my I team in a bad spot. Yeah, like, I, said I said something, it. but yeah. it was just weird because he got up, he said something, and he's starting to run off the field, and then there's the flag. It wasn't, you know, you would think a 15 yard penalty in that spot would be guy makes the play, gets up. Chest bump the quarterback, right? Spitting in his face, he's screaming so loud or, at him, or holding him and down, and then that would warrant, you know, not just getting up and saying one thing, and then a fifteen yard now, penalty. Now they they lose this game by three, twenty to seventeen, and Jones is on, and he's like, "Look, I cost my team the win. I apologized in the locker room. That's all great. What cost them the win was horrific special teams play by Kansas City. They muffed a punt that led to a Colts touchdown." It was uh, Sky Moore, by the way, who muffed the punt. Awful. Uh, missed point after touchdown in this game. They faked a field goal that was horrendous. When you see this pass attempt, I, 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 it's like they didn't practice it. Um, and, and then they also missed another field goal attempt. Matt Amendola was the backup kicker that won the job hands down by listening to the Kansas City front office and coaching staff whenever they were trying out guys, trying to replace Harrison Butker, who's out with an ankle injury. And he's missed the last couple of games. He's missed the start of the season. So Amendola's in there, and they're missing, they're having miscue. It's just, it's not great. And the, the, the fake 
on the uh, the field goal. Look, it was very. It looked telegraphed. The Colts knew it. Credit to their defense that seems to be coming together now over the last couple of weeks. Um, but again, uh, maybe this wakes up the Colts' offense. But this was more about Kansas City's miscues. This should be and remain a winless Colts team today. They stole one. Credit to them. It counts. This is one of those games you'll look back on. Circle it. Because the offense didn't really have much going. After the Chris Jones penalty, 10 more plays. And then they hit Jelani Woods, rookie tight end, who also has not been playing well. Preseason, he wasn't much of a storyline when everyone thought he was. Catches a touchdown pass, the go-ahead, and they end up winning 2017. Uh, you also have Mahomes going at it with enemy prior to the half. Yeah. They're getting the football back to begin the third quarter, and they decide just to kneel it out, run a, a draw or something, I think. And Mahomes is trying to press the issue. He's looking at the time on the clock thinking, we can drive and get points here. We're the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. We're known for this. Let's he do this. He had to remind his offensive coordinator who they were. Yeah, and they're going like. off to the locker room, and Bienemy is, you can read his lips, but he's like, it's okay. Cool it. It's, it's all good. We got this. Uh, we know what we're doing. And Mahomes is, you know, arguing back with him. Like, why are we being so uh, conservative? It was a, an interesting game from Kansas City that loses on the road. Also interesting, they had the roof open. I, it, the, they had the roof open one game against the Titans a couple years back, but I can't remember the last time. That, this may, that might be the last time uh, back in the Wizen Hunt era when Ursay yeah, it's, it's Ursay's call. There. It's Ursay's call, and they do not announce it until they announce the inactives, which I believe you can be out there warming up and you'll see the roof open. They have to declare roof open or closed. And once a team decides to open the roof, they are not allowed to close it if it decides to rain or if there's inclement weather that pops in. If there's lightning, it's not like you can close it and start the game back up. you got to have a perfect Open day. or closed. Perfect Open day or closed. and nothing around. And, um, or, or you want it really cold and there's wind and you think that's somehow benefiting you if you have a backup kicker. That wasn't the case yesterday. It, wasn't, it didn't it look like a perfect day in Indy. Point being, there is a little gamesmanship there, but it, that shouldn't affect Kansas City whatsoever in perfect conditions. Now, of the three, well, I'm trying to rank the you know AFC West going 0-3 against the AFC South, which was shocking to me yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. But of the three outcomes, it's pretty close between Jacksonville going to L.A. and beating the Chargers as badly as they did, and just the fact that KC lost yeah. to the Colts in the fashion they did, where I agree with you, they gave it to them in this game. I mean, they, this is, that was a gift offered up by Kansas City to the Colts in this game. Yeah, I agree. And I, I look at the the, la- the I'm, I'm with you. I'm ranking KC number one against Indy because KC is relatively healthy, top to bottom. The Chargers, we, we know about Herbert's ribs. He played throughout the game, finished the game. He's in there late, and uh, they're, they're asking questions to the coach on why he's in there. I mean, they're down 38-10, and he's still in the game. I don't get that. That's crazy. Um, they kept three quarterbacks active. They had Easton Stick active as their third-string quarterback yesterday. Didn't need them. But again, it's they did that out of precaution because they weren't sure if he was going to make it through the game. They also lost uh, Rashawn Slater, their starting left tackle. J.C. Jackson got hurt during the game. Um, other injuries throughout, too. Joey Bosa got hurt as a pass rush. Chargers are banged up. But, I mean, the Jags are also capable right now of winning games like this that they were not even close to winning a year ago 
And we, we previewed this in one big thing in every NFL game last week, but here's Trevor Lawrence following the Peyton Manning road model. 0-9 to begin his career against uh, road teams. Wins in week three, Peyton does. Week three of the following season in his 10th road game against the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence, 0 for 9 to start his career on the road. Wins his 10th road victory, his first game on the road as a starting quarterback in week three against the Chargers. And does it in impressive fashion. They spread the football around. James Robinson putting the game away on a big run on fourth and one. Uh, the That run was way too easy, and that harkens back to the defensive run-stopping issues a year ago yeah. the Chargers had. That was way too easy of a touchdown. Yeah, the, the Jags put it on them. And right now, they're the team to beat in their division. The Chargers are scrapping. They're clawing. And the Raiders today, sitting at 0-3 with their loss to the Titans yesterday in Nashville, are saying, man, the AFC South did us a favor because even though we lost... Everyone else lost and has an AFC loss to point to as well. Well, I, I think the two of those games to me, the Titans' uh, outcome was not as surprising, you know, as the uh, the other two. They right. came in as a two point underdog. Doesn't doesn't shock me they won by two points at home in that game. Doesn't shock me that they had offense in the first half and none in the second half because that's what they've done that's so far do. this season. Yeah. This season. Um, but the AFC West, you know, John McClain told us maybe the greatest division in the history of football coming into the season. This is a classic example of we don't often really know in the NFL, and it's part of what makes the league so great. But well, I still think they're there. I, they're going to be fine. It's week three. But like, man, oh man, did the AFC South not look absolutely atrocious through two weeks. Oh, they, and, and the they, fact KC hands them a game. I still think they're pretty bad. In Indy, they, they are, but still, Denver looks terrible on offense. Right now, I mean, they win against San Francisco. That's a good win. You got Nathaniel Hackett having to bring in a special teams assistant that's his in charge of yeah. decision making during the game because apparently he can't handle it during a game. I mean, it's, I know. it's been a wild start in that division when, when you look at it. KC was the one that, okay, they have met every expectation and exceeded it, I thought, through the first two weeks of the season. And then to lose the way they did to Indy. Again, it just all goes back to the unpredictable nature uh, of the NFL. And yeah. one of the reasons well, we love it. There's a very slim margin for error uh, across the board. I mean, you've got the Lions who are putting up a ton of points, and they sit at one and two. And then you have the Broncos who are barely scoring, and they're two and one. You know, like it's a, it's a mess. The Chicago me. Bears are two and one. There, the there's another one. one. Then they've got, you know, they're running an offense from, you know, 1948 right now. But they're 2-1. And, they, and, and they benefit from a sloppy condition in week one. Yeah. Um, they didn't come close to the Packers last week. And then yesterday, the Texans, the, the Bears started with a 10-point lead. The Texans come back. Davis Mills starts getting in rhythm, uh, throwing the football well. He had a touchdown pass to his tight end, Jordan Aikens. Damian Pierce finished off a, a four-play drive with a touchdown run. They had a takeaway, an interception from Jalen Petrie, one of their rookie safeties. They had the halftime lead. And then the Bears rattle off by the middle of the third quarter. You look at the stat line. I'm watching this from the press box. They had 240 yards rushing against the Texans midway through the third quarter. Missed tackles all over the place. Um 
You've got uh, David Montgomery going down in this game with a shoulder injury, I believe, knee issue. It was a knee issue. But then the backups step up and make plays for Chicago's run game. It's Khalil Herbert, 20 it, carries, 157 yards, 7.9 yes. average. I mean, it, you had uh, Pierce, the rookie, who did not have a fumbling issue at Florida, fumbles twice in this game. He's removed. He's replaced by Rex Burkhead. Uh, not, not great. Houston trying to stick with their young guys, and they're they're making some plays. They're not nearly close to competing. And meanwhile, Jacksonville's young players, they've drafted well. They've got a young nucleus of talent that seems to be coming together and building some confidence. The Titans are scratching and clawing, just trying to hold on, having to win sloppy games. When, when things are not going their way, they still last year found a way to win. That's what they did yesterday, where there's plenty to nitpick about, and we certainly will, um, because they should be held to a higher standard than just, oh, let's compete for a division that's bad. Um, they they get credit for winning a game where they score zero points in the second half. Well, they had a great first and, half. I mean, that, and that, that's it's odd to think about it, but that's almost the best hope for the Titans in every game because they do seem capable of with Todd Downing and their coaching staff to come up with a good offensive game plan early on. First drive. Against the opponent. First two, this third straight drive. Yeah, third, I, third straight game where they right. opened up with a touchdown. Now, this and they game, were horrible at that a year yeah, ago. Yeah, I thought they continued that throughout the first half in this game. They did. They don't have a counterpunch. I well, mean, I don't know what they go to when another team makes an adjustment and cuts off what they're doing if there's any element of surprise early on in the game. Yeah. Well, they. the issue here... The counterpunch was A.J. Brown. Watching... Watching the uh, the Raiders just in warm-ups, and you start looking around, and you're like, oh, there's Carr, there's Devontae Adams, there's Darren Waller. Um, Jacobs was questionable, and I don't even think he flew with the team. I think he flew separately. Comes in, no one thought he was going to play. He's active. You start looking around the roster, you're like, the Raiders have no business against this backup squad in many cases at many positions where the first two picks of last year's draft aren't even capable of being backups in this game. Uh, they're active, but in no way did they think they were doing anything other than special teams. Speaking of Caleb Farley and Dylan Radins, zero non-factors. Um, you look down the other sideline, you're like, the Raiders should not leave Nashville 0-3. They have no business losing this game with the star talent that they have. And yet there they were, having to drive the field against the Titans defense that should not be able to rush the passer down their top two guys with Harold Landry and Bud Dupree being out their secondary um, playing a guy that they signed Wednesday of last week in Terrence Mitchell over their first round corner from last year that speaks volumes um, Chad it's it's remarkable that the Raiders are 0 three today considering the options that the Titans rolled out there defensively. They made good plays. There's, there, Jeffrey Simmons played every snap and was disruptive. Bayard came up big. Their top players stepped up. Yep. Henry got going. They got him going in the passing game. Second play of the game. Great design on a screen. Offensively, Robert Woods, welcome to being a number one option for an offense. Still waiting on them to take the training wheels off of Traylon Burks. But, Chad, here's uh, the Titans winning like they did last year. It's not pretty. It's not beautiful. It's ugly. Plenty of things to complain about, but that's what they did last year in their in their route to uh, to trying to get back on track. 
this year after an 0-2 start. Yeah, remarkably, they find themselves, when you look around the division, in an okay spot. You know, if they, they've got right. a big one coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll talk with Dan Dockich at some point this week about that game, but Colts-Titans uh, feels like uh, a, a detonation game for the loser between the two. Well, but it also could propel the winner in that game to, to something bigger. No, not, not yet. No, it won't yet because we will know by October 23rd the direction of the division. The Colts, when the Titans play the Colts October 23rd, they play this week. Then two weeks later, they play the Colts in Nashville. October 23rd, the Titans will have finished the game against the Colts. They'll be done with the Colts for the season. The Colts by then will also be done with Jacksonville. They've played Jacksonville twice and the Titans twice by the 23rd of October. Today's what? The 26th of September. We'll know in a month how the direction of this game. And the Texans then control a lot of it down the stretch where the Jags, by the way, will also have played the Texans once by the 23rd of October. It's crazy the scheduling here. And not everything's you know head-to-head to what you're saying, Chad, but they, it meant a lot last year with the Titans winning, sweeping the Colts for the first time in a long time with two victories there. Well, it's two teams that you feel like going into this game. It's okay. What do we have exactly? <laughs> you start to find out a little bit more about that yeah. when these two teams meet up. Uh, coming up, injuries across the league. We'll give you the, the notable ones, including Mac Jones and the, the Patriots and what's expected with his high ankle sprain. Herbert and his status some other stars on the mend as well, and some guys who have been added to the injury report today that didn't necessarily miss time yesterday. That's all next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nick Wagner with a great stat and just puts things in perspective of first half, second half. And I always say the, those that make excuses for a 12-minute halftime in the NFL, Chad, for, oh, you don't have enough time to make adjustments. They're in there eating a banana and making sure they don't cramp in the second half. Okay, cool. Um, first half, Sunday night football. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, they combined for 15 catches for 141 yards and a touchdown. Second half, two touches for five yards combined. <laughs> Tell me that there weren't adjustments made by Denver's defense. I, I think you see, you see plenty of examples of halftime adjustments going on uh, across the league. Let me also say this. I, I love college football. That's noted. But man, oh man, is that NFL halftime not a glorious thing? Oh, yeah. How quickly they are back on the yes. field. Now, if you really want to get something done, if it's a big game you're watching – that there is a benefit if you're at home to say, oh, now I can go run an errand at halftime yeah. and come back and be home in time. I need to run to the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, let me go mow my backyard with my push mower, <laughs> and I'll have plenty of time to be done uh, and come back and watch the second half. I went outside and was playing uh, football with my daughters at halftime. 
for probably 25 minutes, came back in, still had another 20 minutes, I felt like, at halftime of the Tennessee-Florida game. So uh, if you were at the game, though, we were both at the Titans-Raiders yesterday, Hutton. It is a glorious thing how quickly you are back playing football oh, it's great. when you're live at the game. It's great. Uh, Davey, as we start the notable injuries, do me a quick favor and just update the search for Josh Allen uh, on the x-rays. He had x-rays today. I want to see if anything's new on that. Mac Jones could miss time with an ankle injury. Um, he had this ankle injury on the final snap for him of the game, final play of Sunday's loss to Baltimore. 37-26 was the final. High ankle sprain which is the worst kind. And he could put no pressure on it. He had to yeah. hobble off the field, and someone grabbed him, and, and they basically carried him to the locker room. Yeah, so he, again, left leg. We'll, we'll see the, the timetable here, but this isn't something that you just quickly rebound from. Um, that will be noted throughout the week. Uh, Tua Valoa taken to the locker room, of course, the, the country, back issue. Back issue, though, to where it at least... Uh, initial reports, it doesn't sound like it's anything that's going to affect his status for Thursday night football. They will play Cincinnati. David Montgomery injured uh, running back. Second drive for Chicago. Um, evaluation of the medical tent, went to the locker room, did not return to the game. Eberflus told the media that they're optimistic about his his knee issue. Fell in the back. Someone fell in the back of his leg, I believe, based on the replay. And DeAndre Swift... This is one to watch. Shoulder injury. And it sounds as though that Dan Campbell is leaning towards resting him the next two weeks. Then they have a bye week. And then they return out off of week seven's bye. He is a big part of their offense. Seahawks and Patriots are up next. Josh Allen had x-rays on a potential hand issue off of the Miami game. We'll keep you posted on that. That will be one to watch uh, throughout the entire week for the Bills. More headlines next.